Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series uh, called the Third Verse Sermon Series. It comes from a conversation, as I shared last week, with one of our youth, Bolton Stegall, and he had these great ideas for some obscure verses that we don't often preach on, and so the challenge became to figure out um, how to create sermons around some of these characters and passages within the scripture. And it's actually been a whole lot of fun, I have to confess. And so our scripture picks up this morning in Numbers 22, and it's actually a story that continues on for several chapters within uh, the book of Numbers. And as the story goes, the Israelites are continuing their journey towards the promised land. And as they are going along the way, they encounter many different communities. And some of these communities are peaceable and allow them to journey through. But a lot of them uh, do not trust the Israelites, particularly because they're a pretty large group of folks and they don't really know what their intentions are. And so war often breaks out. And when it does, again and again and again, the Israelites are able to be victorious. Now, from a faith perspective, uh, they would say that is because God is leading them towards the promised land. It is their God that allows them, Yahweh, to go forward and to be victorious. And they begin to develop this reputation and other nations become afraid of them. In particular, one king, his name is Balak, and he is the king of Moab. And he sees what has happened to the neighboring countries and he becomes afraid for his people. And so he decides to be proactive. And so the king calls for a prophet by the name of Balaam. And what he wants this guy Balaam who lives over in Iraq to do is to come over and meet with them and then to go and find the Israelites and lay a curse upon them. Now Balaam his qualifications aren't all that great. He's not an Israelite himself. He's actually polytheistic, which means that he believes in multiple gods. But Balak has seen that he has had great success in cursing other nations. And the countries that uh, asked him to go and curse them, they were victorious in their battles. And so the king has that as his idea. And this is actually what he says to Balaam. He says, a vast horde of people have arrived from Egypt and they cover the face of the earth and they're threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they're too powerful. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on people you curse. And by the way, I'm gonna pay you a lot of money to go and do that. I mean, this is, these are his words in a nutshell. And so he sends these messengers to Balaam and Balaam receives them. Now, Balaam's kind of an interesting guy. I said that he followed many, many gods, and he knew a little something about Israel and their God, Yahweh. And so when the messengers came, he said, I'm gonna have to go and pray to their God and see if that God will let me go and curse his people. 
So he tells the messengers to wait. He goes and he prays. What do you think God told him? No, you can't go and curse my people. And so Balaam goes back to the messengers and he said, I'm sorry, their God said that I can't curse them. And so I can't curse them. And so the messengers go back home. Do you think the king is satisfied with this answer? No, the king is not satisfied with this answer. And so he finds new representatives and even more money out of the treasury and basically says, in effect, I will give you whatever you want, Balaam, if you will just come meet with me and let us go and curse these people. And so at first, when the messengers arrive again to talk to Balaam, Balaam goes, look, I already asked their God and and he said no. And so since he said no, there's really nothing I can do about it. You could give me all the money in the world and I couldn't do it. But then Balaam starts thinking, all the money in the world, that's really a lot. It wouldn't hurt to go ask God one more time and just make sure that he hasn't changed his mind in some way. Now Balaam knows what God is gonna say But some part of him is still hopeful. Isn't this such a human thing to do? We ask a question, we get an answer that we don't like, and what do we do? We begin negotiating and trying to find a way past the no. I don't know about you, but at my house, this happens all the time. I'll give you a good example. This is kind of a silly example. Mom, can I have some cheese puffs? No, you cannot have cheese puffs. Why can't I have cheese puffs? Well, because it's almost dinner and, and you can't have them right before then. But mom, I'm starving. Come on, mom, look, if you let me have the cheese puffs, I will eat whatever you put in front of me. Well, wait, what are you cooking for dinner? I don't know for sure, but yeah, never mind. Just, just let me have them. I'm dying. I'm starving. I'm going to faint away. Why are you not listening to me? Do you not love me? Stop ignoring me. And I'm like, I'm not ignoring you. I already answered your question once and it felt like a pretty sufficient answer to me. And it was no, go away. But don't you understand, you don't love me. I'm not sure what love and cheese puffs have to do with one another, but apparently a lot. So that's kind of a silly example, but we we do that all the time. Maybe not in such a whiny way, But in our culture, I think that behavior is even encouraged. We are taught what? Never give up. Keep pushing forward. Don't let anything stand in your way. Never take no for an answer. Go, go, go. No matter what obstacles may come your way. And for people of faith, this can carry over into our relationship with God. We will pursue God's will for our life as long as It does not get in the way of our desire for our own life. And if we feel that maybe our desire is not quite God's, we sometimes work really hard to negotiate with God as if God might change his mind. You know, we didn't even make it three chapters in the book of Genesis before human beings were already trying to subvert their will and substitute it for God's will Do you remember the story? God walked among Adam and Eve. He provided everything for them. They had this great relationship and there was only one rule and that one rule is you can do whatever you want, you can eat whatever you want, you just cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But then scripture says, but the woman saw how beautiful the tree was 
how good its fruit was to eat. And she thought it would be really wonderful to be wise like God. Surely God didn't really mean no when he said no, right? God wouldn't really mind. And so she ignored God's answer because it was not the answer she wanted. And so it has been through all of the generations. That's why it's such an important story in our life. And this happens with Balaam. He's lured by the attractiveness of the king's second offer and the fame that would follow. And so he goes to God for a second time. What do you think God says? No, of course God says no, absolutely. But God knows Balaam's heart. God knows that Balaam's gonna do what Balaam is going to do. And so he allows him to go and meet with the king under the condition that he only say and do exactly what God tells him to say and do. And so Balaam sets off, he and his faithful donkey, and they make their way along with a few others towards Moab. And here's where it gets really interesting. But I figured you might be bored of listening to me, and so I have someone else who's actually going to tell the next part of the story. Let's watch. Oh, well, hello there. My name is Theodore Jack Pennington III, but you can call me Jack. You are never going to believe what happened to me the other day. Me and my pal Balaam were walking around, heading to some place called Israel, something about Yahweh, a curse, whatever, I don't care. All of a sudden, this thing with the sword keeps getting in our way. So I tried to get Balaam to turn around. At first, he puts up a fight, but eventually I convinced him. He is kind of stubborn after all. Then this thing, it shows up again, and this time it looks really serious. I'm done. I'm not going anywhere. Balaam is stubborn, remember? So he starts tugging on my harness, hitting me with the rope, but I am not moving. Flaming swords and me just do not get along, especially not after that time in college. But that's a story for another day. Anyway, there's this thing that's glowing with a sword on fire. So I call out to Balaam, good man, quit hitting me. Do you not see this angel or whatever standing in our way? At first he just looks ahead as if he doesn't see. And then realizing that I had spoken to him, looks at me with a confused look. Did you just talk to me, he says, and I'm like, of course I did. There's this thing over there standing in our way with the sword. Don't go that way. Well, I guess he finally saw it because we did not go to Israel that day. Thank you, donkey. The donkey actually... We have that angel costume available if any of you want to bother it. Um, The donkey actually gets a few things wrong, and there's no cars back in that day, but... Here's how the scripture goes. It comes from Numbers 22, starting with verse 22. God's anger was kindled because Balaam was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand on the road as his adversary. 
And now he was riding on the donkey and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. So the donkey turned off the road and he went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn it back into the road. And then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it scraped against the wall and scraped Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck it again. And then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And then the donkey, the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Now, at this point, I'm wondering, like, Balaam does not seem surprised. His donkey starts talking to him. But anyway, so Balaam begins to argue with the donkey. And he says to the donkey, because you made a fool of me. I'm not sure that's what made him a fool. But anyway, I wish I had a sword in my hand. I would kill you right now, donkey. But the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey? Which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I been in the habit of treating you this way? And Balaam had to admit, no, you haven't. Now, there are a couple of things I want us to observe here because I think that they're really relevant to us. One of them is this, that whether we are a believer in God or whether we have been a faithful follower all of our life, God pursues us. God is constantly pursuing his people, constantly speaking, constantly trying to nudge us back into the right path that leads towards him and to an abundant life in him. And I love the way that even though Balaam, God knows what is in his heart, God knows that uh, Balaam really doesn't have an interest in serving him, God still continues to pursue him and protect him. In the United Methodist Church, we talk about this concept called prevenient grace. And this is the grace, as we say, that goes ahead of us and makes a way. And when we look back on our life years later, we often are able to see, wow, God's hand was here and God's hand was there and God's hand was over here, particularly through the lens of faith. And so that's one of the things that I see present here in this story is God's prevenient grace. But also what is true is that we have free will. We are allowed by God to make decisions. And just because God allows us, though, to walk through a particular door does not mean it really is the best path for us. I think sometimes the decisions we make truly grieve the heart of God. And I can't even imagine allowing my own children to have quite that much freedom. And yet I learned a long time ago that though I have influence, there comes a point too where they are still their own people and they still have their own decisions to make. And that's how it is with God. God will not leave us in those decisions, but God does allow us to make them, even poor ones. And then there's this other thought, and that is this, that all of us have donkeys in our lives. Sometimes they come in the form of an unexpected illness or a missed opportunity or relationships that we really wanted to work that didn't work out, promotions that never materialized, and other things that just seem to keep us from getting where we think that we need to be. 
Sometimes these donkeys come in the form of people. I wouldn't recommend you call them a donkey, but just know parents, grandparents, friends, spouses, mentors, teachers, pastors, who at one time or another see us heading down a path that they know will not be good for us, us doing something troubling, and maybe we can't see it. We can't see how it's going to end, or we don't see the trouble in front of us, or maybe we don't want to see what is there. And so they do all that is within their power to keep us out of harm's way. Thank God for those people. I mean, you've had those people in your life. And sometimes we listen to them, and sometimes we don't. I think it's a pretty common response in those moments when someone is trying to steer us in another direction to get mad. What Balaam does is he is so angry with that donkey and he's hitting on that donkey, trying to get the donkey to move. But the donkey sees the danger in the path and and that's such a common response in us to get angry, sometimes to even curse the very people that are trying to help us. Maybe because it makes us feel foolish or disappointed that they don't agree with us or they don't see things the way that we want them to see them. Maybe because deep down some part of us knows that they're right, but we don't want to admit that. But I will say this, and it's just something that I've learned. If these people have been healthy companions to us as we've journeyed together, if they know us well, if we know that they truly care for us, and they've been reliable all these years, kind of like the donkey said, have I not been the same donkey you've ridden all your life? Have I ever done anything like this before? If that is true of those people, if they generally give us good advice, then maybe it's worth asking, what is it that they see that I don't? In the moment that Balaam is able to realize that this donkey really has never behaved in this way before, God opens his eyes and he's able to see what his companion sees. And so we have a choice in our life. We have a choice to see the donkeys in our path as obstacles keeping us from progress or as opportunities in disguise. At the very least, they should give us pause to stop and to ask the question, is this a time when I'm supposed to be building up endurance, when I'm supposed to be pushing forward through all the obstacles that come my way? Or could this be a donkey moment? Could this be a time when I'm being invited by God to go a different way? You know, if we are those who really do want our life to be in will, in the, in the will of God, if we want our path to be the path that God desires for us, then it becomes particularly important to learn how to discern which is which, because it can be really confusing. So Steve Marr, he wrote a book called Proverbs for Business, and he offers some tips for discernment. First thing he says is when you're trying to decide whether it's that time to push forward or that time to step back, the first thing you need to do is go to the word of God, because God is never going to ask us to do something that is in conflict with his word. For example, if what it is that you're wanting to do is something that would be immoral, something that would break one of God's commandments, one of those things that you know time and time again from studying the word of God is not what God wills for our life, 
then that is not God calling you to that path. And so the more you read and the more you study God's word, the more prepared you are to employ that knowledge. The second thing that we can do is always to pray about it. Even Balaam, who didn't really know God that well, understood the importance of praying to God, but not just praying, but really listening. And so if it's a no, to listen to that no. The book of James, in James 1.5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So pray for guidance. Ask God what he would have you to do. Ask God to make plain certain things to you so that you know which way to go. Another thing you can do is to seek the counsel of others. God put companions in our life for a reason. Seek out people who generally have a good handle and a good relationship with God. If it's one of those donkeys that's blocking your ways, if the donkey is a person, ask them, what is it that you see that I am just not seeing? Help me to understand your perspective. Instead of being angry at them, listen to them. You may still decide that they're not right in this moment, but it's worth asking and it's worth inviting them if they are people of faith to pray with you. And then look carefully and honestly at the circumstance. Sometimes our perspective is like this because we're right here, it's right in our face and so we can't see it and, and we can't always be honest about it. And so the call then is really to stop and to just take some time to really listen and discern to see if our perspective is skewed. And then finally, when you come to that place where you've kind of made a decision about what to do, see if you have peace about it. That can tell you a lot. If you continue to feel ill at ease, if it continues to bother you, if you have apprehension in your heart about it, if people around you that you love and trust also feel the same way, if they have no peace about it, then it could be that that decision is not the right one for you. So next week, I uh, am supposed to go, was supposed to go, to a conference. And I was really excited about it. And I have airline tickets, and I have a hotel, and all these things lined up. And so at the beginning of the week, it became clear to me that it wasn't going to work out. My childcare options fell apart. Uh, some of it just due to circumstance. Some of it due to my own preparation. I didn't have a very good uh, backup plan for my backup plan. And so I pushed against it and pushed against it and pushed against it and tried to make it work. I even had these creative schemes about places I could set my kids and lock the door and walk away, you know, but th these are not good things, not smart decisions. So at some point, I was like, what am I doing? I need to step back from this. I need to take my own advice, not uh, keep pushing forward without asking, is this really what I'm supposed to do? Maybe it is that I'm supposed to be here next week. And as I prayed about that, and as I asked God to show it to me, more and more opportunities for next week, which is starting tomorrow, came up. Things that are gonna be really important for me to be here and be a part of, including just an opportunity to have a bit of fun with my youngest child, which I haven't had an opportunity to do in a really fun and unique way. And so I thought, you know what, God? Okay, instead of being mad about it, instead of being frustrated, I'm gonna release the outcome to you and I'm gonna lean into it 
And you know what happened the moment I did that? I had this peace about it, and I knew that it was going to be okay. And so to that end, I found the best piece of advice related to all this, and it was the one that helped me in this last week in making this decision and actually has been influencing my decisions since I was in college. And it comes from this book, Jesus CEO. And it simply says this, when you come upon those kind of obstacles that get in the way of you pursuing what you really want to pursue, don't kick the donkey. Don't kick the donkey. Because you never know when it might be this blessing in disguise. And so I don't know what it is in your life that maybe you are facing. These things that keep coming up in your way, like with Balaam, what donkeys there are. But maybe it is an invitation from God to let it go, to release the outcome to him, and simply to trust. If one door closes, God will open other doors around you. And those doors may be the better opportunity for you anyway. It is very hard to let go and to trust God completely with our lives. It is very hard to say, not my way, but your way. And yet, this is the biblical example we have again and again and again. We see the outcomes when our brothers and sisters keep pushing forward down a path that God does not desire for them versus when they let go and allow God to take the lead. If Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life, if our God is the Lord of our life, then that's what it means. It means to have a measure of trust, to pursue his will above our own, and sometimes not to kick the donkey, but to ride it to wherever it may take us. Let us pray. Gracious God, day by day, we encounter different struggles, different things that come up in our path, and God, it can be hard to know in those moments really which way you would have us to go. Most of us, God, we have this real need to to go our own way, to do our thing, to show that we are strong, to show that nothing can hold us back. And sometimes that's the passion you want us to have, but sometimes, God, you're inviting us to just let it go, to give it to you, to allow you to be the one, to stay so close to you that we only do what you want us to do and speak the words of truth that you would have us to speak. And so God, I just pray that you meet us wherever we are, for you know our lives far better than even we know. You see things that we cannot see. And so I pray, God, that your spirit of trust would come upon us, that we might allow you to truly be Lord of our life, that we might continue to be good influences in one another's lives along this path as we seek to grow in faith and knowledge of you and your word. It is in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.